Hi, friends. Welcome to a special episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs, and I'm so happy to be with you today. I know that there's been a lot going on here in the U.S. and that there are a lot of feelings and opinions around all of it. And I'm looking forward to sharing this week's conversations with you. And I really hope you find them helpful as you are processing through this week. We've got a really great show in store for you today. And just a reminder that we make sure the links to any books or shows or anything else that may have a link that we talk about in the episodes are captured in the show notes as well as links to our sponsors. So if you're ever thinking, what was that book the guest talked about? It's very likely the link is in the show notes for you. And that is at AnnieFDowns.com slash podcast. And then you find the episode and click on it. And there you will find all the links you may need. Before we get to today's episode, I want to just take a moment to tell you about one of our incredible partners, BetterHelp. I know from what I hear from all of you on the internet and from what I deal with day to day that there are a lot of stressors that come at us and so many different things cause us to feel stuck or get in the way of us achieving our goals. We can try to deal with these things on our own, but I know that having my counselor to process with is such a lifeline for me. That's why I love talking to y'all about BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And then you can meet with them in a safe, private, online environment, and they can help you through whatever you're dealing with. Seriously, they specialize in everything from depression to grief, self-esteem, sleep issues, stress, family conflicts, and so much more. I love that you can send a message to your therapist anytime, and they'll get back to you with timely responses. And you can meet with your counselor weekly, either by phone or video, which just makes it so convenient and keeps all my introverted friends out of those uncomfortable waiting rooms. It really matters to better help and to me that you feel like you've got a trusted connection with your counselor. So they make it easy and free to switch if you need to. It's affordable more so than traditional counseling and it's available for clients worldwide. It's not a crisis line or self-help, but what it is is professional, safe, affordable counseling. And I think it's well worth your while if you're dealing with something that feels bigger than you know how to navigate, which we all are. (laughs) I want you to start living a healthier life today. As one of my friends, you get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash that sounds fun. Join over a million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash that sounds fun. So our conversation today is a two-parter. We are going to start with a pastor and leader I have long respected. Well, they both are, but we're starting today with Dr. Tony Evans. You guys are not even ready for this. He has a new book that's just come out called U-Turns, Reversing the Consequences in Your Life. So to start Inauguration Week, to start a big week in our lives and for U.S. citizens in our country, here is my conversation with Dr. Tony Evans. Dr. Evans, thank you so much for making time for this this morning. Thank you for having me. A delight to be with you. Listen, I've already had Priscilla and Crystal, so I'm just working my way through the family. I see. You just <laughs> taking them one at a time. All right. I'm so grateful for it. Listen, let me start by telling you, a lot of our friends listening know that I, last year, for 12, every month I read through the Gospels. I looped the Gospels every month. And one of the months, I did it with your study Bible. Okay. And it is... It's amazing. Will you talk about how you put that together? How do you even start making your own Bible? 
<laughs> well, it's probably over a 10 year process of uh, study and teaching and uh, reviewing. And uh, it's, it's a compilation and we tried to make it 21st century through the QR codes and, and then a lot of the uh, ancillary materials to support it. So it was a daunting task. And I can say this, it's the only one try to do that once in a lifetime. <laughs> You're like, check, got it. It's a wrap. One of the things that feels like such an honor getting to speak to you today is you've been faithful in your walk with God for decades and being able to know scripture well enough to spend 10 years writing a a concordance and a a study Bible. Can you talk to us, those of us that are in our thirties and forties, like what does it look like? What should we do right now to be faithful to the gospel for the next 30 years of our lives or 50 years of our lives? Uh, Well, I think, uh, first of all, which is a, a, a great uh, tension today, is not allowing the world around us to define us, mm. but to allow the Word of God to be the basis of how we define ourselves and our world in which we live. Mm. To be kingdom-minded before we're culturally-minded. Oh, wow. Have the kingdom of God to speak into our cultural adaptation. So if the word of God can be the final arbiter of our decisions and our pleasing God to be the driving force of those decisions, then we're being kingdom minded, even in a secular culture. What does your daily reading of the Bible look like? Well, uh, like right now I'm working my way through the prophets. So Uh I'll read a, a few chapters in one of the prophets, then I'll read a commentary, and sometimes even my own commentary. Yeah. Remind me. <laughs> uh, the, uh, uh, and just to, to think about what I've read. So it's different ways and different seasons. Um, uh, but right now it's it's uh, it's the prophets. I think that matters a lot for people to hear that it can look different in different seasons, that there isn't, you don't have to make a decision at 25 of how you read the Bible every morning and it looks the same at 75. Absolutely. I think that the key is being tethered to the word and to refer to it as you face realities in life, mm. because you, what you may be reading may not be relevant to something you need to read about. So keeping yourself Fluid and flexible, I think, is a critical thing to do. Especially, it feels like right now in the world. I mean, inauguration is this week, and the world has felt upside down for a lot of months. (laughs) And when we are facing things in 2021, how do we even go to the right places in the Bible? How do we even find the thing that solves the racial tension we feel or the emotional tension we feel in our houses or the fear of the pandemic? How do we find those things if we're just sitting down with a Bible for the first time? Well, first of all, I mean, there are tools that deal with subjects and you can you can uh, go to, uh, you, you can Google a sub, you can, well, Google can help you. How did people study the Bible before Google? I Google almost every day. <laughs> Well, you know, you you pull up a topic and it'll it'll give you the scriptures yeah. that relate to it. Yeah. So using technology for good and for God is probably the fastest way to do it today if you don't know where to go on your own. Yeah. Can we talk about your new book, U-Turns? Yeah. 
it feels like such a, a helpful thing to look at the life of Moses. It's the third in a series of, of books you've put out, and this one focuses on the life of Moses. Why is this the right time for this book? Why did you, why did you wait till now? Why did you write it now? Why was Moses the guy for 2021? Well, I start with Moses because uh, uh, so many people are familiar with his life, and he, he dominates so much of the Bible. Even in the New Testament, he's a point of reference. And uh, at 40 years old, you know, he, he made a decision that would have consequences till he was 80 years old. Yeah. And, uh, and yet God gave him a reversal. God revirtuation, his circumstance, his opportunity, his usefulness, and the design of U-turns is to show how in the various elements of life, God is still able to reverse our direction from where we were previously headed and the consequences that come with our decisions. We all know that choices matter. Mm-hmm. You know, the first chapter of the book deals with our choices uh, and they matter. And the Bible calls them, you know, uh, life and death decisions or or blessing blessings and cursings you know the benefits and the loss of benefits that come with decision making and all of us have probably made our share of bad decisions yep. at various levels where we regret if we could do it over again mm-hmm. what well, we can't do a do over in terms of time but god is so good at what he does is he can take messes and create miracles mm. and the book is designed, started with Moses, to say, look at how God turned things around for him, and God can do the same for you. In fact, he can do the same for our nation if we'll get on track with him. So so it can be individual, family, it can be church, or it can be culture. Let's start with individual, but we're going to go to full culture because I want you to I want you to tell us what to pray. But for starters, in our own lives, like I'm thinking about my life and I'm thinking, yeah, there's some places I've made mistakes, but I, I don't have a big turnaround right now. How do my decisions how, how important is it for me to think of my decisions right now when I'm not in a big mess? I'm in a lot of little messes, Dr. Evans. Okay, I always right. am. But <laughs> right, right, right. Well, first of all, to say I. I don't want the consequences mm. because if you say you don't want the consequences, that's going to affect the decision. Yes. Usually we make the decision and regret the consequences. If we think about the consequences, because we probably know people who have done what we may consider doing, who are paying a price uh, to cause us to say, I don't want that. Therefore right. I'm going to decide differently. Okay. Yeah. So if you haven't entered into that realm so that you don't have a, you know, major consequences to reverse from, then you can praise God for that and ask God each day Mm -hmm. to give you wisdom for the decisions for that day Mm -hmm. so that you don't place yourself in an inconsequential situation. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make a confession to you here. I... I got a, I got two new dresses right before New Year's, and one of them fit better than the other, but it came later, blah, blah, blah. I had to wear a dress for about an hour, and then the right size came the next day, so I took that one back to the store. And oh. I got—I know. I know. Well, I got—I mean— you I, That's right. I got in the car— and I and I got home and the Lord so clearly and kindly, because I want him to correct me, the Lord so clearly and kindly said that little yes that you just made that was dishonest, you need to go make it right. Because that was a little yes that could lead to big yeses in the future. Well, absolutely. Uh, what you just identified really is the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. The work of the Holy Spirit is to bring to our minds 
and our hearts and our consciousness where we have veered from the righteous way. And not to ignore that voice on small things uh, is critical because we can silence that voice on bigger things mm. listening on smaller things. And many people do not recognize that that is really the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer, working in your human spirit to inform your soul to do something different with your body. Mm. So, so having, that, having that sensitivity is what you need early on. That's why we, we got to give that to our children, too, to, to, to learn to respond to the Holy Spirit speaking to our conscience. Hey, friends, just taking a short break from our conversation with Dr. Evans to give a shout out to our amazing partners, Ritual. I'm a big fan of reading labels on food and beauty products and healthcare products and actually being able to pronounce the names of the ingredients. It makes me wonder about how many things we put in our bodies that we don't really understand, including with our multivitamins. Do you really know what's in your multivitamin? There are all kinds of things you might not expect in many of them, like sugars, GMOs, synthetic fillers, artificial colorants, but Ritual isn't your typical multivitamin. Ritual's clean, vegan-friendly formula is made with key nutrients and forms your body can actually use without extras that you don't need. I've been taking Ritual vitamins for almost a year, and I love them. They're easy on my stomach and don't have that icky aftertaste that some do, thanks to that handy little minty tab that they include in the bottle. Ritual is the multivitamin reimagined. They are formulated with key nutrients, including vitamin D3, to help fill gaps in our diets. Their fresh-tasting delayed-release capsules are designed to dissolve later in less sensitive areas of your stomach, so you can take them with or without food. I usually take mine first thing in the morning before I've eaten breakfast, and my stomach never gets upset. Ritual is made traceable. You'll always know where your nutrients come from thanks to Ritual's one-of-a-kind visible supply chain. How cool is that? Ritual makes healthy habits easy, and don't we need a few things in our lives that are actually easy? Yes, please. Your multivitamins are delivered to your door every month with free shipping always. And you can start, snooze, or cancel your subscription anytime. And if you don't love Ritual within your first month, they'll refund your first order. You deserve to know what's in your multivitamin. That's why Ritual is offering my friends 10% off your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash that sounds fun. That's R-I-T-U-A-L dot com slash that sounds fun to start your ritual today. And now back to our conversation with Dr. Evans. So for our friends that are listening that do have large U-turns to make, that they have, they've done something that is, they're grieved about and they're like, their stomach hurts right now just hearing us talk about it. Sure. What's, sure. What do we do? What's the first step? Well, God's one word in scripture for U-turns is the word repentance. We have a whole chapter of that in the book of U-turns. Repentance is a change of mind in order to reverse a direction. Mm. You want to go, that's why we call it U-turn. You want to go in the opposite direction. So that starts with a remorse. You feel bad about what you did. Then that appeals to God's grace to enable a reverse. So you have remorse that leads to a reverse. Mm. So the, in, in light of how I feel toward God first, and then if it affects others, toward others second, what steps would be pleasing to God for me to take in order to move in the right direction? The way you know you're sincere is the step you take, not just the feeling you have. Mm. So without a step, it's an emotion. 
okay? Judas felt bad about betraying Christ, but he never took the step. Yes. He let his emotions take him to further consequence, even suicide. But when Peter rebelled against God and uh, denied him three times, he came back. And when he came back to the Lord, he still was emotional, but his emotions brought him back. Mm -hmm. And when your reversal brings you back to the Lord, then you know you're sincere in your repentance, which then allows God to address the possibility of reversing of consequences. Is it okay for us to read U-turns if we haven't read the first two in the series yet? Do we need to back up and read the whole series or can we jump right in with U-turns? No, you can jump right in. You know, the first one was detours. It did with Joseph yep. and how zigzags us in his will. Then it was uh, Pathways, which was Esther mm -hmm. talking about how God's providence works through his invisible hand to bring about his visible results. And now U-turn stands on its own. It starts with this whole principle of our choices goes to Moses and then picks up some other people who made choices that God created a U-turn so that we can look at different scenarios where U-turns were needed because we want the people to understand that no matter what your situation is, mm -hmm. God can meet you there and he can heal you there and he can, he can cancel or limit or change you in the midst of Yes. Okay, so let's zoom out and help us think about this with our nation. What does it look like for us to be a part? Because we can only decide for ourselves, but what does it look like for us? What should we be praying this week? And and as we're going toward the inauguration, what? how do we do this U-turn as a nation? Well, I think, you know, I call what we're going through as a nation a divine disruption, where God allows distress to occur to bring more attention back to himself, starting always with his church. He starts with the church first, but then from the church, he wants us to infect and affect the society. So I believe a lot of this is because of the failure of the church, and it's just manifesting itself in the chaos in the culture. Wow. So trying to reset the people of God so that if this is not the time for Christ to come back, we can be used of him to reset the confusion in the culture. So time of divine disruption because God is after a spiritual reset. And so how do we do that in our lives to impact? I mean, I'm thinking of Second Chronicles, you know, do we, should we be fasting? Should we be praying? What should we be doing in our lives that will help in the bigger story? Well, first of all, a decision needs to be made that many Christians haven't made. And that is a decision to be a disciple of Christ and not merely a Christian going to heaven. Ah, uh. Christians have not settled the lordship question where Jesus Christ makes the final decisions on all decisions in all areas of life. So until you make that decision, your fasting and prayer can't go anywhere because Jesus has not been positioned correctly in your life. So settling that decision, now you've got God's ear, you've got God's attention, you've got God's heart. And when you do that, now, now heaven can hear. Then when you get enough people doing that, at the same time, like in Acts 4, when they did it on one accord, it said the place where they were was shaken, and they went up, and they infiltrated the culture. So, so uh, the decision of commitment followed up now by the spiritual disciplines, then doing it collectively for broader impact. Okay. For our friends that are listening that are church leaders in this time, 
is there something you would say y'all need to be saying this from stage? Y'all need to be saying this on your social media for all. I mean, we're all leading somebody because we've all got followers on social media as leaders. Yeah. What's our role here? Well, you know, I love my favorite passage about this is second Chronicles 15 verses three to six. It says in those days, there was no true God, no teaching priests that goes back to leaders. Yeah. It says there was no peace to the individual, no peace in the home, no peace in the nations, no peace in the city. And then it says, for God troubled them with every kind of distress. So God was creating the distress. But verse four says, in their distress, they sought the Lord and he let them find him. Uh. So what leaders have to do is we've got to stop just preaching cute sermons and we've got to challenge people that we are in a divine disruption and that unless we seek him and seeking him doesn't mean just praying, seeking him means prioritizing him. Uh, Matthew 6, 33, seek you first the kingdom of God and his standards mm -hmm. and respond. So we've got to shift our priorities. We See, we, we've got evangelical idolatry going on. Mm -hmm evangelical idolatry has created uh, 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 the weakness of the church and the uh, lack of impact in the culture. So until we get rid of our uh, American idols, we'll call them American idols, yeah. uh, uh, of uh, selfishness, materialism, racism, culturalism, uh, or anything else that subverts or competes with the knowledge of God, then we do not have his full manifest presence operating in our midst even though we belong to him uh, spiritually in terms of our salvation. Man, that scripture just almost brings tears to my eyes because it's telling us about what we're living right now. Absolutely. It says it was conflict everywhere. And every time uh, I had somebody ask me the other day, why do you think we're getting this new strand of the uh, coronavirus? Yeah. Because we haven't responded to the first strand. Mm. And until we, until we get God... We, until God sees we are serious about our response and it's not just a momentary get me out of this crisis, then God will God will bring about distress in order to bring about uh, the return. Yeah. He, return, which is, you know, a reversal, a U-turn. Yeah. Uh, are you, uh, you think Jesus is coming back soon? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we must live in imminency, which means he could come back at any time. Yeah. So, live in light of that return, but he says, occupy till I come. Mm -hmm. So we let the return of Christ to stop us from maximizing our presence in the interim. Oh, that's a good word. I find myself, you know, looking into the sunrise being like, is that you coming? Cause <laughs> feels like. <laughs> well, if, if, look, if he's getting ready to come back, you know, then for Christians, this is all going to solve. But if he doesn't come back for another hundred or 200 years, we yeah. better get yeah, that's right. Uh, Dr. Evans, thank you so much for making time to do this with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a joy to be with you, and I love your personality. Thank you. <laughs> you are a go-getter. I have a very good time. It's true. The Lord made me with a lot more. My Whatever my composition is, the fun is much higher than the serious. I it's can tell. I can see that. That's, <laughs> it's all over you. I can see. Oh, thank you. Okay. So let me ask you our last question then, because the yeah. show is called That Sounds Fun. Tell me what you do for fun. Oh boy. That's uh, well, you know, I, I love football. I love reading. Um, so uh, keeping up with, uh, with sports is probably the fun thing I do. Are you a Cowboys fan? 
Oh, absolutely. I live in Dallas. What, what options do I have? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So I grew up in Atlanta. I'm a Falcons girl, which is uh, another spiritual trouble that I have is being a Falcons fan. <laughs> I got you. All right. Well, it's good to see you. Good to be with you. Thank you oh, for doing this. The smile, the grin, the laugh, the expressions. You got it all, girl. Oh, you're very kind. Thank you. Thanks for doing this. You have led me in so many ways from a distance, and I just... I just really honor you and thank you for your time. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, friends, isn't he amazing? My gracious, I could have just gone on and on chatting with him. I'm so thankful for his time. Don't forget to grab a copy of his new book, U-Turns, Reversing the Consequences in Your Life. And follow him on social media. Tell him thank you for being on the show. After Dr. Evans and I recorded, I thought there was one other voice I really wanted to pastor us today and to lead us and to help us as we walk into this unknown week after a couple of weeks of a lot of questions and a lot of upheaval and a lot of worries. And so I called in our good friend, Pastor Scott Sauls from here in Nashville. His new book, A Gentle Answer, is exactly what we need right now. And so I wanted him to chat with us as well and just kind of say some of the things that I needed to hear for myself and for you as we are going into this week. So here's my conversation with Pastor Scott Sauls. Scott, thank you for making time to do this today. I know it's pretty last minute. You are you answered my back call that I put up in the sky. <laughs> it's great to be with you, Annie. I'm really grateful. Listen, this I will tell people just a heads up that we're recording this before the weekend because, and I mean, Scott, in days like this, we just, you never know what's going to happen in the next hour in our country. Is that, has it felt like that? I'm, has it felt like that to you a long time or is this new? It's felt like that for a while, but um, now I think we've just come to expect uh, surprises every day or two, and and um, it, they're not even surprising anymore. We're yeah. we're kind of on fire, aren't we? Yes, it, and so I just always, I wanted people to know that we're doing this as late as we can, <laughs> with the understanding that this is not a live show. So this is not this is not have a live studio audience. <laughs> <laughs> um, will you talk a little bit about? How can we be praying this week? What? How are you praying going into the inauguration? How did? What does it look like to be a peacemaker in this? I think Annie, you know, I, I speak as a pastor, not a politician, uh, and uh, I, I don't have a whole lot of wisdom in terms of how to solve the cultural uh, problems of of outrage and us against them and canceling each other and mobs and tribes forming. But my heart and my prayer has been, especially for Christians and especially for churches, that we would figure out a way to demonstrate uh, what it means to love across the lines of difference, especially political difference. I mean, the truth the truth is, Annie, that, um, you know, any city that you're in, you can be in one zip code and 90% of the people in, a, in, a, in any given church would have voted Republican. And you go to another zip code in the same city and you'll, you know, any given church would have voted 90% Democrat in the other mm-hmm. direction. And both churches will say, we believe the Bible with all of our heart from right. Genesis to Revelation. 
And I, I think we all just need to acknowledge that we we read our experience, our bias, our our, our way of thinking about life and the universe, and and you know all by virtue of of our situation. And we, we have to figure out how to cultivate empathy and cultivate understanding across the lines of difference, because otherwise we have to assume that that half of the Christian church has gotten this wrong. Yeah. And the other half has gotten it right. Half of the Christian church knows how to read the Bible and the other half doesn't. Uh, or half the church is unfaithful and the other half isn't. We, I, and I don't think we want to go there uh, any more than Paul wanted the Jews and Gentiles to go there uh, in the New Testament church. So I'm, I'm praying that we would love one another. That was Jesus's longest recorded prayer that we would learn to love each other. So that's my focus. I think that's that's helpful and really beautiful. I think one of the things that frustrates me the most in political conversations is when one voice assumes that the other voice doesn't isn't thinking or isn't smart or isn't reading. You know where it's just like, well, if you knew, then fill in the blank. Right. And so to love each other in this, especially this week. I mean, to love each other, are you are you saying that the stance is I believe that you're doing the best you can, just like I'm doing the best I can. Is that is that a loving stance? I think it looks this way. And, and again, I'm talking uh, especially, I, I, I feel like we don't have a voice. Christians don't have a voice in the culture until we can learn to get along with one another wow. first. Yeah. Uh, and so I think, that's, I think that's the starting point. And when it comes to politics, Annie, personally, I think that our political alignments work a lot like... Uh, gifts in the body of Christ, right? The Bible says that to some, they're given gifts of teaching and preaching. Others are given the gift of administration. Others, the gift of generosity. And that doesn't mean if you're a generosity person that you reject the gift of preaching. It's just that maybe you don't have that gift to the degree that others do. And, and you all come together, um, you know, as one cohesive whole to do the full work of, of Christ. And I, I, th I think our politics, I, I think this is the only angle that I've been able to figure out where to help Christians maybe look at each other with a little bit more empathy and understanding. Uh, if I'm from one community, like, like our church, we've got, we've got a, just a, a whole lot of people with disabilities and special needs in our church community. And so, you know, advocacy for the unborn is huge uh, in, in, in our community and for the people in, in our community. Uh, because so many people have chosen uh, to say no to terminating a pregnancy as as especially, you know, if somebody's pregnant with a child with Down syndrome, you know, the standard advice is to abort. Yeah. Uh, and over 95 percent are aborted. And, and our people say no to that, 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 that every human being has dignity made in the image of God and so on. And so we've got all these people with disabilities and special needs. And, and it's just a very avid pro-life uh, in the womb. Uh, we've got another congregation in North Nashville that uh, is uh, that just launched under uh, the leadership of Micah Edmondson. Oh, I like him so much. Yeah, yeah. He and Christina are great. Yeah. Uh, but, but they're they're in an entirely different context than than the Christ Press congregation I lead. Uh, and you know, eighty something percent African American community up in Bordeaux, where they meet on Sundays, and and their concerns are are primarily, you know, those that have been kind of in the immediate right in in front of our faces for the last year with with, you know, black and brown skin and racial justice and so on. And one can't say to the other, "You're wrong for being so passionate about this 
and not at the same level of passion about my thing or our thing, you know, the better way I think to work together is to say, um, let's celebrate, you know, the, the different ways that we're trying to move the kingdom forward, even through the way that we engage politics. But let's also acknowledge that wherever, whatever direction we voted, we're contributing to injustice because both the Republican and the Democratic platform have inherent injustices that they are perpetrating by their policies and, and emphases uh, in the same way that both have positive, you know, life-giving things that they're contributing to the world. And so I, I think we need to cut each other slack. And glad you're having Michael Weir on here. He and Justin Gibney have done some great work uh, around these things, you know, let's be yes and instead of either or. So some of our friends listening as they're thinking about this week, they're very afraid. They're afraid for their own safety. They're afraid for the safety of people that they love. They're afraid that something astronomically sized is going to happen in our nation this week. And it could. I mean, I, we can't make any promises about what this week looks like. Will you speak to those of us who feel really afraid? Uh, what can we do this week with our fear? Well, um, you know, I, I can just give the Bible answer, right? 365 times in the Bible, it says, do not fear. And the reason is for I'm with you, right? Uh, fear God and you'll never have to be afraid of anything. It's going to all work out. The long-term worst case scenario is that you're going to have everlasting life. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Um, you know, that, I mean, that is the answer in scripture to worry and anxiety is to think long-term and, and to realize we're living in a middle chapter. And there's only one chapter in God's story that will never end. And that's the last chapter uh, that still awaits us where there'll be no more death, mourning, crying or pain. And so that's the theological pastoral answer. But I I think there are also some tangible reasons, Annie, why we can believe there's not going to be mayhem and like government overthrow. And that is that with the thing that happened last Wednesday, with all the, you know, writing stuff that happened in Washington, First of all, most of the people that went up there to march, marched peacefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, just like the, the Black Lives uh, marches earlier in 2020 and this one last Wednesday, the vast majority of participants in both events were, were peaceful. Uh, but who got the press? You know, those who were doing violent things, breaking police car windows and, and storming the Capitol, right? But storming the Capitol was a horrible thing. Uh, but here's, I think, what we can, what we can take heart in. Uh, Congress convened the same day right. and, and and got their job done. There was really no question uh, that the U.S. government was going to get overthrown. There's, there's just, it just wasn't going to happen. And I think that served as a pretty good check uh, for anybody who maybe has it in mind that they're going to you know, cause some trouble. I could be wrong, but I, I, I think six months from now... It, Hopefully the air is going to feel a lot lighter for all of us. God willing. I'm glad to hear you say that because something I've had, I've been having these conversations with myself, Scott, between COVID and the election season into the inauguration season and winter in general, where I've been like, I just wish it was summer. I just wish it was summer. I think all of this, Mm. all of these things that are making me (laughs) feel anxiety by July will most likely be handled. But Talk to me for just a minute and me. I'm like, can you just help me? (laughs) Talk to all of us listening for just a second about perseverance here and the power. There there is something for us in all these things being stacked on top of each other. There's there's good for us in this. Can you Mm -hmm. can you pastor me and us a little bit in the power of perseverance here? I'll tell you how one of the elders in our church pastored me. 
it's this guy named Anderson Spickard. He's been on the front lines of COVID treatment. He's a um, internal medicine doctor at Vanderbilt, you know, trains the residents, um, all-star in that world, right? Uh, and he's also just a, a man of deep faith. And he was praying, a group of us, we were praying, and, and, and he prayed, you know, Lord, bring relief but not without the revival of our hearts. Wow. Uh, and, and in that prayer, uh, I'm hearing him say, because I know who he is, and I, I, I know how to understand what he's saying there based on my knowledge of him. And it's this, that, that, that times where we wait are actually the times that God forms us the most. Remember, Jesus shows up at the low place. Uh, that's where he does his work. The, the healing happens at the hem of Jesus's garment. And where is the hem of his garment? It's on the ground. Mm. And we've been flattened. Uh, and, 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 you know, relative, right? Because if you look at 75% of the world's population, Anna, your and my pandemic experience is their paradise. Sure. Uh, well, I'll speak for myself anyway. You're right. No, uh, you, you are know, my, 100% My pandemic right. experience is their paradise, you know, in their best year. And, and so I think there's a lot, you know, we talk about, is this the end of the world? Well, well no, We're, that's such a contemporary Western, you know, American thing to ask right. uh, when the rest of the world has been suffering like crazy since the beginning of time. Right. And so I think, Annie, that, you know, it's a wise season not to waste um, the things that frustrate us, but, but consider how God might be using these things to redeem us personally to redeem the communities that we're part of, to redeem the work that we do, uh, whatever work we've been called to do. You know, Isaiah, this is a guy whose life just didn't work, right? And yet he wrote one of the most masterful, you know, books in the history of the world that's been, you know, had so much influence over the centuries. Everybody who wrote a book of the Bible, except for Ecclesiastes, who was written by a, rich, a miserable rich man, and Song of <laughs> Solomon, which is its own category. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. And some of Proverbs. But every other book of the Bible was written by somebody who was being, who was a slave, who was uh, being oppressed, who had been taken into exile and had everything taken away from them, who had witnessed murder with a, you know, deep bloodshed with their own eyes. You know, so many of the Apostle Paul's letters were written from prison. You know, 11 of the 12 disciples died as martyrs. The Bible came to us, not through the comfy, cozy, you know, <laughs> follow your dreams, Western American context. It came out of suffering. Like that's the place where God's at home. And, and so this is an opportunity, perhaps, for those of us who aren't accustomed to that kind of suffering to find a new and deeper kind of home with God. Waiting is a good thing in the story of God uh, for, for the internal life, even though it's wildly frustrating, <laughs> you know, for work and relationships and gathered things and that. Yeah. Kind of yeah. It's, I feel the encouragement from you to, that I can hold both things. I can hold that this really, there are parts of this that are frustrating and lost for yes. me. And also keep it on the spectrum of what the rest of the world is experiencing. Mm -hmm. My experience can be true, and it's also on a spectrum of the 75% of the world who has it significantly more challenging than, than I've ever known. Yeah, and if I, if I could just add to that, yes. if, if we go to the Psalms, the Psalms are full of complaining. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just complain, complaining. 
kings complaining, poor people and refugees complaining. People are complaining. Yeah. Uh, and and I think that has something to teach us too. Uh, and, and that is that we're not, that this world is not our fully developed home yet. It will be when Jesus returns and makes all things new, new heaven and new earth. But But right now the world is, tainted with frustration and setback and sorrow and loss and anticlimax and everything else. And so, you know, that, that, that sorrow and that ache certainly don't want to delegitimize that by, you know, comparing the American, you know, experience to, you know, the Ugandan experience or what have you, everybody suffers. Ecclesiastes is proof positive of that, that everybody suffers. And there, there, I think there's dignity in that. And those are places where Jesus, I think, really meets, meets us really well. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation one more time to tell you about our incredible partner, Indeed. As a small business owner myself, I know the power of making good hires for your team. If you're using anything other than Indeed for your hiring, you just might be wasting your time. Hire great people faster with Indeed and only pay for results and get back time in your schedule. Indeed.com is the hiring site that helps you find quality candidates with Indeed's instant match. Indeed searches through the millions of resumes in their database to help show you great candidates instantly. So you can do the part you really need to do faster, meeting and hiring great people. Unlike some hiring sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility, delivering a quality shortlist faster. With Indeed, there are no long-term contracts and you can pause your account at any time. And you only pay for what you need. And with Instant Match, you see a list of great candidates with zero wait. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, who has extra time to sit around and wait on the right people to just appear? Am I right? And Indeed delivers four times more hires than any other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. Want your quality shortlist fast? You need Indeed. Right now, our friends get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sounds fun. This is Indeed's best offer available anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash sounds fun. Indeed.com slash sounds fun. Offered valid through March 31st and terms and conditions apply. And now back to finish up our conversation with Pastor Scott Sauls. When we pray this week, when we're really praying with love for President Trump and President-elect Biden, I, I, I am encouraging our friends on the other side to pray for both men and their families by name. Mm-hmm. How would you direct us to pray for each of them as one is transitioning out and one is transitioning in? I think you just taught us, Annie, you, you, you pray for both. I, I think that's the biggest hurdle that most American Christians have uh, to get over is that that you know, nearly half of American Christians didn't utter a single prayer on behalf of, of President Obama. And, and another half of American Christians didn't offer a single prayer on behalf of President Trump, but they did for the other guy. And I think we need to grow past that. Lest we become disciples of Western American politics, uh, where, you know, Tucker Carlson or Chris Cuomo are our prophets and Trump and Biden, Trump or Biden uh, is our Jesus. And, you know, the Republican or the Democratic platform is our theology, uh, our doctrine, our dogma. I think we're, we're missing out on so much of what Jesus came to offer. His, his kingdom is not of this world. It's better than and it's higher than it's, it's supreme to and over. 
and it never ends. He, he never stops being king. Uh, he can't be dethroned. He, there's no transfer of power with him. Yes. Uh, and, and so I, I think just to pray <laughs> with the fact in mind that there is one true king over all of this. Uh, and earthly kings, in some respects, are of consequence and in other respects are of no consequence in terms of being able to usurp what Jesus is doing in the world. One, one, one other thing on that that I'll, I'll, I'll mention. You can tell I'm, I'm, I'm really passionate about, about Christians uh, coming together across their political differences under yes. Christ. Two disciples who were chosen among the 12. Simon was a zealot. Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew collected taxes for the state of Rome, uh, which is why Jewish people couldn't stand tax collectors because tax collectors forced Jewish people to give their taxes to a system that oppressed them uh, in Rome. And Matthew was one of them, and he was also a Jewish man. Uh, and then there was Simon, uh, who was more like a libertarian. The less government, the better. The less taxes, the better. Jesus chose both of those guys to, to be in the twelve. We have no record of those two guys getting in a political fight or debate or discussion over the course of three years. Doesn't mean it never happened, um, but we have other, other episodes of the disciples bickering with each other. We don't have a single episode of Matthew and Simon going after each other. Uh, and you'd think that if, if two disciples were going to go after each other, it would be them. They never did. Instead, they lived together. They ministered together. They served together. They prayed together. They worshiped together. They died together. Uh, and there's one gospel writer out of the four uh, that, that took pains to recognize the fact that Matthew was a tax collector and Simon was a zealot. And it was Matthew. So pray with Matthew in mind. Matthew is thinking especially of his political opposite and including him uh, in this narrative that he wrote that has since changed the world. Pray, whatever it means to pray with those things in mind, that Jesus is bigger than partisan politics. And if, if he's not, you've got a very small God and you're rendering unto Caesar what belongs to God. Mm -hmm. And we've been warned about that. Yeah. Um, be yeah. good, faithful citizen. The better, you know, C.S. Lewis said that the citizens of the heavenly kingdom are going to make the best citizens of the earthly kingdom. You don't have to choose one or the other. But if you prioritize the earthly kingdom, you're going to be a crappy citizen of heaven. But if in a crappy citizen of earth, uh, but if you prioritize the citizen, uh, the, your citizenship in heaven, you're going to be a great citizen of heaven and a great citizen on earth, right? Because what's the call of a disciple of Jesus to love and serve our friends and our enemies, people who think like we do, like we do, and, and people who don't. Uh, and so uh, pray in that direction, I suppose. And some really great psalms, too. Why do the nations rage and why do they plot and scheme? Uh, I think that's the second psalm. Is there any group that has been divided by politics like Christians have lately? I just don't know that there's another group that's gotten cut up like Christians have. That's discouraging. I think you're right. It's discouraging in one respect because Christians are supposed to love one another, right? Sure. It's encouraging in that it says something about Christianity and about Jesus, mm. that there's room for all types uh, in, in the family of God. Right. That he's not confined to a single nation or to a single economic strata or to a single skin color uh, or to a single language or even to a single uh, political platform. He's not confined by those things. He's so wildly inclusive. 
that he, he brings together, you know, people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. So there's there's some good news that goes with that bad news. You show me another unified group in the world, uh, and I would venture to guess it's not a very diverse group. Oh, that makes me feel so much better. You're right. So we, we're paying for our diversity uh, with, with the tension that we have. You know, that's just kind of the price that you pay for for real diversity. And, you know, um, if, if we could only unify around the one thing that we're sure of, and that's Christ. Okay, Scott, the other thing I want you to tell us is tell us about A Gentle Answer, because you're the reason you're the pastor I called today is, is your book, A Gentle Answer, is such a great lead for right now, even in these times. Thanks, Annie. Well, it's, it's, it's based largely on Proverbs 15.1 uh, that says, A Gentle Answer Turns Away Wrath. And um, as I was telling you offline, I, 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 I'm not extremely happy about all the reasons why it's become as timely as it is. Uh, the subtitle is Our Secret Weapon in an Age of Us Against Them. Uh, and the gentle answer is that secret weapon, secret weapon in, in parentheses. Uh, the desire is to help move the needle in whatever way that, that, that I can. And from my little corner of the world, to help Christians especially assume a different posture in the world than the one that we're seeing uh, and let that be part of our witness. You know, Jesus said, let your light shine before men. And I, I can't think of a better light than the fruit of gentleness. You know, the Galatians 5 says the fruit of the spirit is gentleness. Jesus says, I am gentle and humble in heart. And, and uh, I think what, what a great season of opportunity to witness who the person and work of Jesus Christ, you know, is all about. And that's the purpose of, of that, that particular book and that particular project. Thanks for drawing attention to it. Oh, of course. Yeah. And, and Scott, that's important because people, that is the way, that is the way of love is to be gentle and how we answer each other. So I would love, if you wouldn't mind, would you end for us by just praying for our country and praying for us as citizens, our friend that we have a lot of friends listening who don't live in America, but they're not surprised that this week we're talking about America. <laughs> but would you mind just closing us with prayer? I would love to. Father in heaven, uh, we thank you for sending Jesus and uh, giving him the title of king. And I thank you, Jesus, for the kind of king that you were. Uh, you were the king uh, where when you entered a room or a situation or a city, uh, the things that you touched uh, were not destroyed, but healed. Uh, your hands are healing hands, as, as Tolkien once wrote. And that, that's how we know that you're in the vicinity is when healing takes place. Uh, you heal individual hearts and spirits and souls. Uh, you heal communities that are fractured. Uh, you heal um, people vocationally, and you, you heal entire, entire cultures, Lord, when you are at work uh, through your people. And uh, Lord, I thank you uh, for what we were just talking about, Annie and I, that, that even though there has been so much tension inside the body of Christ in the past, uh, gosh, more than a year, the past 20 years, uh, even though there's been so much tension, Lord, uh, in our part of the world, between those who identify as followers of Christ. We, we also thank you, Jesus, uh, for the diversity that that speaks of, that you have room in your kingdom for Jews and Gentiles. You have room in your kingdom for left-leaners and right-leaners, for, for, for Matthew, the tax collector, and Simon, the zealot, who didn't think that they should pay taxes. 
Um, we thank you for this. Uh, we thank you also for the promise that we have from Isaiah that, that many of us in our, in our church communities uh, celebrated and thought about and, and meditated on during the Advent season recently, where it talks about how you're a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, and a prince of peace, a prince of shalom, uh, the, the, the prince who, who makes his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. And, and what it says in there, Lord, is that you will reign on David's throne and of the increase of your government and peace, there will be no end. And so, Lord, we, we hang our hats and we hang our hearts uh, on the, the fact that your reign will always be on the increase. We're not at the last chapter yet, but when we get there, when you get us there, Lord, uh, there will be no more death, mourning, crying, or pain, which means there'll be no more division. There'll be no more people canceling people. Uh, there'll be no more censorship. Uh, there, there'll be no more temptation to censor others because it, it will be a peaceful, glorious world that you have brought into its ultimate and final reality as king. And we thank you, Lord, that that last chapter is never going to end, that, that, that it's going to be a sa the same for us in 200 years as it is in a billion and a trillion years from now, which helps, Lord, put our lives and, and even this past year and, and the coming year in uh, the perspective of the big picture, Lord. Um, well, we thank you, Lord, that when we do have suffering and sorrow and setback, uh, you, you free us, Lord, to, uh, to, to pursue you in those times and, and to know that it's in the low place, uh, down on the ground uh, by the hem of your garment where we can find healing. And I, I, so I pray we won't waste our sorrows, that we won't waste the things that hurt, uh, but they, that we would just use them all the more as opportunities to run to you where healing is found. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Scott Sauls, thank you. Thank you, Annie. Okay, friends. So here we go. Don't you just love Pastor Scott Sauls? My gracious, between him and Dr. Tony Evans together in one show, I do feel more hopeful and I do feel more peaceful. What Scott said about the diversity of the kingdom of God. I will never forget that. I'll never forget that. Make sure you grab a copy of his book as well. While you're grabbing Dr. Evans' U-turns, get a copy of Scott's book, A Gentle Answer. I think both are really, really helpful for us right now. And make sure you follow both men. Tell them thanks so much for being on the show today and really pastoring us. I mean, we are we are spoiled rotten in the pastor department, my friends. We are so lucky to have so many men and women who speak into our lives, and I am very grateful. Hey, if you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That is how you can find me. And I'm Annie F. Downs, TSF, like that sounds fun, on YouTube. So let's talk about Thursday's show, friends. After the U.S. inauguration on Thursday, we're going to have one more conversation kind of around the politics of what is going on here and what we do now. Depending on which party you identify with most, you either feel like your party now has control of everything or your party now has control of nothing. And so one friend of mine from each side of this conversation will be joining me on Thursday's show. So make sure you are back here with open ears, open hearts, 
as we chat with Allie Beth Stuckey and Michael Ware. So that will be on Thursday. And I think y'all are really going to love it. I am, I am so grateful for both of these conversations that we get to put together, making for one really great week. Dr. Evans, Scott, Allie Beth, and Michael, I am just really thankful. So that is our week. We'll be back here on Thursday. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home. Do something that sounds fun to you, and I will do the same. Have a great week. Take care of yourself and your people, and we'll see you back here on Thursday.